I've been gone for a minute. Now I'm back with the jump off. Good yes. jump off. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a lot of places, seen a lot of faces. Oh, hell, I even fuck with different races. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two of the best songs. Welcome to Unshut, where nothing is off the table. Keeping quiet and holding back is no longer an option. I am your host, Mo. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hello. Hey, Matt. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Doing good. Thank you so much for taking your time today. Of course. Of course. Thank you for the opportunity. Of course. Well, before we even start, like, how did you manage to look this good for a Zoom call? (laughs) (laughs) Stop it. This was a real quick thrown together little look. I love it. Makeup looks good and everything looks good. Thank you. It's because of uh, the Zoom quality, I think. I think if we were in like 4K, you would be saying something else. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I highly doubt that. Well, welcome Matt Sarafa, the youngest fashion designer to have ever shown at New York, Paris, and LA Fashion Weeks. How are you today? Oh my gosh, I'm so good. So excited to be here. Thank you again for having me. Of course, the pleasure's mine. Do you have any rituals to set the tone for the day? How does Matt get started? Um, as for rituals, no, not really. Every day, the thing about being a business owner is every day looks very different for me. Um, but you know, some of the constants are you see my dog right there, walk right by, (laughs) gotta feed my dogs in the morning. Um, I've gotten in like a habit this year specifically, like when I get up, I need to make my bed because I used to be the worst about it. I feel like it sets the tone for the day. Um, so I guess that's kind of a ritual, but it's not a very exciting one. Honestly, I just get up, get my ass to work. (laughs) Don't waste any time. You're like super productive, right? I know that's right. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Before you graduated from UCLA, you were on Project Runway. What was college like after being on TV? Wow. So Project Runway was an amazing experience. I did that actually while I was still in high school. So that really changed the trajectory of my high school life. Um, But going into college, I was really, really excited about it. Um, I, to be completely honest with you, I didn't know if I wanted to go to college. But now that I've graduated, I, it was the best decision I ever made. Because all the stuff that I learned there, even the things that I never thought that I would have used and applied in my real life and in my career have been so incredibly helpful and useful as the years have gone on as, as my business has progressed. Um, but being on campus, you know, UCLA is such a huge school and I had such an amazing time there. It wasn't like, at the end of the day, I was on a reality show. I'm not Beyonce or anything, you know? Like my first few weeks there, like there were a couple people that came up and like recognized me. And I took like some pictures and whatnot, but it was never really anything too crazy. And I wanted just that authentic college experience. And I feel like I really got that out of UCLA. That's amazing. What about high school? Did it change anything for you in high school? Were people pretty receptive to it? High school was where it really changed up because suddenly like, it's crazy being on TV for one second, the next day, suddenly everybody wants to be your friend. Everyone wants to be your best friend. Um, which is like a really funny kind of dynamic and like a insight into the human brain and how it works. Um, but it was the hardest part for me was balancing being in school and applying for college and trying to be like a normal teenager while also starting my career, being on TV, 
Um, so that was like an interesting balance that I had to figure out, but I couldn't have seen my life going any other way, to be honest with you. Well, I don't think a lot of 14 year olds would even know how to juggle that. So that's amazing. <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot, but we came out victorious. And I'm happy about that. A few years ago, you talked about your grandma before and how she introduced you to sewing. Was she the first person that you can recall that believed in your fashion sense? Yes. Oh my gosh. My grandma, her name is Dorothy, but I call her Grandma Dodo because when I was little, I could not pronounce Dorothy to save my life. Um, but she is like such an angel. She's one of my favorite people on this entire planet. Um, and she really was kind of the catalyst of, she would always um, like hand sew. She loved to embellish and do hand sewing. And even the little like Christmas stockings that me and my brothers have, they were all handmade by her when we were babies. Um, so I knew that she had the sewing gene and the fashion gene in her. So when I kind of got my interest peaked in the fashion world, she was the first person that I went to. And she literally sat with me and taught me my first stitches. And she's been so incredibly supportive along the journey. Well, and I'm sure it makes your relationship with her even just a little bit more special, knowing that she was validating about what you wanted to do. Absolutely. I feel so blessed, not only with her, but with my entire family. They've been so incredibly supportive of everything that I've wanted to do throughout my life and all of my career paths and choices. Um, so I feel so incredibly blessed to have that kind of support because I know a lot of kids don't. And especially within the LGBT community, I feel so incredibly lucky to have that strong support system. Such a huge blessing. Was there anyone in your family or even outside of your family who bluntly said, no, fashion shouldn't be the career move you make? So my dad was, I think, probably a little bit like that. He comes from like, he has a very type A kind of mind. He's like a businessman. He thinks, you know, you do A, B, C to get to D. So he never said no or like squash my dreams, but he was definitely a little wary and hesitant because it's a world that he can't put an outfit together. So he doesn't have like a creative bone in his body. He doesn't know anything about that world. And just now in hindsight, I see that he was trying to look out for me and my future, but he didn't really see the vision as much as I did or some of my other friends and family did. Um, but now I definitely have made him eat his words because he is like my biggest cheerleader and he's he's happy that I guess I didn't listen to him and kept pushing. <laughs> well, and I'm sure looking back at it too, I'm sure there's so much you've taken from his mentality and how he functions. And I think it's why you're running such a successful company. You're not just this creative being, you're a creative, but you're also a business owner. Absolutely. And me and my dad have really butted heads, especially when we were growing up, just because we couldn't find anything that we had in common. But the second that I started my business, obviously, any questions that I had before I built my team, I went to him to look over a contract or ask him business advice. And that really kind of solidified our relationship and gave us something that we could bond over and relate to each other in a sense. Um, so overall, it's like it not only helped you know, my career, but it also helped my family relationships, my friendships, like really all around. It was a great thing. Talking about your parents, I want to kind of switch gears to your mom real quick. I know your mom is a love activist. Are you and your mom doing any collabs in the future? Oh my gosh. My mom, I said my grandma is one of my favorite people in the world and she birthed my all-time favorite person in the world. 
Um, my mom and I are like this. And like, honestly, we have such a unique relationship where we're almost more like friends. And we talk about things that you're not supposed to talk about with your parents. And we just like love each other so unconditionally. And the love that that woman puts out not only to me and my brothers, but like to the entire world, it's so special. Um, as for collabs, you know, we, no collabs per se, but she always has like her hand in whatever I'm doing. She has her finger on the pulse of what I'm up to. I talk to her several times a day, every day. Um, and she's just such an angel walking on earth. That is so, so sweet. I know she's going to hear this and just, it's just, she's like your biggest cheerleader. It's like, you Literally. can say the She'll same She'll probably interview. be your first listener, to be honest with you. <laughs> yes, that would be so awesome. <laughs> You went from never planning anything like a party to planning LA's Fashion Week from the ground up on your own. Did having New York and Paris Fashion Week under your belt help you anyway? Or was it a completely different ballgame? Oh, God. I mean, it was definitely a completely different ballgame because New York and Paris, I had kind of a team that helped me set everything up, do castings and whatnot. But LA, since this is like my stomping ground, I took on every single responsibility and it was it was a lot, but it ended up being such a fun and rewarding experience. Um, but coming off of that, I realized that I'm not a party planner, nor do I ever want to be. Um, so I will leave that to the professionals and I will stick with what I'm good at. <laughs> I love it. Do you think that being on a reality TV show like Project Runway helped boost your career some? I always say that I owe everything that I have right now to the producers of Project Runway and the platform of Project Runway because it really gave me such like a kickstart at such a young age that I really needed and I don't know how I would have gotten to where I am right now without it. Um, so every day, you know, my um, now good friend who was the executive producer of Project Runway you know, I still stay in touch with her and she's just such a lovely, lovely lady. And every time I see her, I'm like, you literally like everything that I have right now all started because of you. You guys reached out to me, took a chance on me and, you know, look at what it's become. Like you guys literally changed the trajectory of my life. Because the thing about reality TV or any opportunity for matter of fact, you know, it can be as big or as small as you make it. And I knew from the second that I got eliminated, because I, unfortunately, spoiler alert, did not make it all the way. But I knew from the second that I got eliminated, I'm like, I'm not going out as a loser. I am going to take this opportunity and this platform and run with it until the wheels fall off. I'm going to try to make the most of it. And I feel like I did a very good job of that. So incredible, because especially in this industry, I feel like holding on to those people that you can give the kudos to, that you can be like, hey, we were in it from day one and holding on to them. That's huge. That doesn't happen a lot. Absolutely. And especially in Hollywood, you know, there's a lot of very disingenuous people that have ulterior motives. So, you know, my friend group that I keep is very close knit people that I can trust and people that I work with. 
most of my team has been with me for years and years and years. And it's people that you can really rely on and count on. And in my opinion, when you find those people, you keep them real, real close to your heart. They're, they're hard to find out here. <laughs> Amen to that. And since you mentioned Hollywood, we often hear child artists have a hard time being taken serious when they mature. Have you faced this or any setbacks because you were on TV at such a young age? So that's a great question. When I did Project Runway, I was, I think, 16, 17 when I did Project Runway Junior. And I had such a hard time being taken seriously because I would walk into these boardrooms filled with a bunch of old white businessmen. And they're like, what the hell does this little young twink want? And like, nobody wanted to take me seriously. Nobody wanted to kind of give me the chance that I really needed to exceed. And nobody really saw my vision. So it is hard to get taken seriously when you are so young or when you look or present yourself a certain type of way. Um, it's hard for people to kind of see past that and kind of give you that chance that you need. So that was a hard thing that I had to overcome. Um, but nowadays, I feel like my accolades and, you know, what I've done kind of speaks for itself, which is nice. Um, but pushing through that was very, very difficult. And I got screwed over a lot of times because people think that they can just walk all over you and you got to stand up for yourself and prove that they can't. Have any of them hit you up after the fact? Absolutely. Absolutely. And people, they've hit me up even just months after I walked out of those business rooms where they didn't want to give me a chance. And then they want to work now because now they see that everything that I was saying, I put into fruition. And it just happened with other people that wanted to give me a little bit more leniency. Um, and I made them eat their words. But I love that. I love to be underestimated at the end of the day. Hell yes. I know you <laughs> talked about Project Runway and being eliminated, but even though you made it pretty far, do you think if had you have not been eliminated, the motivation would have been a little bit different? Or do you feel like it's set a different level of fire under your ass? I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. Obviously, in the moment when I got eliminated, I was absolutely crushed. I was so devastated because I just felt like the rug had been like pulled out from under my feet. But looking back now in hindsight, I feel like it did give me that motivation to be like, you know what, this is not how my story ends. Like this is just the beginning and this is the first chapter and I got a whole book to finish. So it did give me that fire under my ass that I needed to push forward and put on my thinking cap and be like, okay, this is what happened. Where do we go from here? And what's the long goal? Well, look, let me look where you're at today. Oh, look at us now. We made it. <laughs> exactly. So I want to pay you a huge compliment because I feel like so many um, fashion designers, whether they're up and coming or whether they're very well established, they create color pieces that, in my opinion, are not very timeless. A lot of people think timeless pieces like a little black dress or something very neutral. Your colored pieces, in my opinion, are timeless. They don't have a season. They are just so timeless. So I want to pay you that compliment first. <laughs> You're making my head big over here. <laughs> <laughs> How did the faux fur coats come to life? So my brand, we've done everything from streetwear to couture, but what we're definitely most known for is our work in the faux fur space. And how those came about actually was I was invited after my run on Project Runway, I was invited to show at New York Fashion Week. And I wanted, I've always loved the look of fur coats. I think that there is nothing more fabulous and glamorous than like a nice big plush fur. 
But I'm an animal lover at the end of the day, and it's never sat right with me to have to kill a million animals just to make like one coat. I don't, that just, it feels gross to me. So at the time, there was just such a gap in the marketplace because, you know, the faux furs that were on the market at the time were so bad. They felt terrible. They looked terrible. And then the only other real option was the expensive real furs, which have so many downsides to them. So I was like, you know what, like I'm a fashion designer, like I feel like I can kind of do something about this and create some sort of in-between option. Um, so I used my resources, I talked to some people who introduced me to some people, and we found this amazing factory, this textile factory over in Europe that has these really, really cutting edge machines that are making super hyper-realistic faux fur textiles. Um, and I was like, oh my God, like send over some samples, send over some swatches. And then lo and behold, I was like, these samples came out so amazing. I'm putting these on the runway for my first New York Fashion Week show. And that show got so much traction, but the biggest thing that everybody was going crazy for was the faux furs. And that's, I actually walked out in the multicolor faux fur at the end, um, for the finale of that show. And it really just kind of blew up from there. And I just have every season kept reimagining and reinventing, you know, the cuts, the colors, the styles. Um, and it's really become what my brand has been synonymous with now. So incredible. I know my partner, he first saw it on Teresa Romer, um, oh, who we love her. Love her. <laughs> yes, I'm still, I'm working on getting her on the podcast. So. Yes. yes. Oh, so you have to. She would she, be amazing. She's the best. We love her. And we first discovered your coats with her. And so he's the one that actually introduced me to the coats. And we were just like, who, like, how, how does someone create a piece so iconic and so timeless oh. like this? And of course, now we've collected more and we're just over the moon with them. Fabulous. Oh my God, I love you guys. Thank you guys, honestly, for supporting. And because, you know, I'm not a big brand yet. So every single customer and every single order means so much to me. And I hope that you guys know it's like, it's not just supporting me, it's supporting the movement as a whole, which has changed a lot in the fashion industry. There are several big fashion houses that have pled not to use real fur anymore. And that makes my heart so happy to see that direction being pushed in the right way. Well, I might use you as clickbait and be like, hey, Matt is a liar because yeah. you are a big brand. You are. You are. Matt Sarafa, exposed. <laughs> Came onto my podcast and was just lying out of his just ass. A liar, a nasty liar. <laughs> oh my gosh, not at all. You are a big brand and we love what you're doing. So keep at it, Thank please. You. Who is on your radar for an up and coming artist or anything like that in fashion? Oh, Oh my gosh, there's so, so many. And every single day, my DMs and my emails are flooded with up and coming designers that want advice. And the thing about the fashion, oh fuck, I'm getting a phone call. Um, so I'm booked and busy, booked, busy and blessed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but every day my DMs and my emails are flooded with um, designers asking for advice and asking for you know direction. And the thing about the fashion industry is a lot of people hold their connections really close to their chest and don't like to share. For me, I'm the complete opposite. Like, I feel like there's enough room at the table for everybody. And I feel like the fashion industry for a long time has needed like a refresh. And the new generation of designers is exactly the ones that need to bring that to the table. Um, 
So as far as designers, I mean, I think that like the Maureen Sayre, I really, really, really love her work. I think the blondes have been, they've been having their moment for a while, but I feel like it's time for them to really, really pop. I think they embody everything that I love. It's the bling, it's the corsetry, it's the, they always have a Louboutins on the runway, so hot. Um, but then I think where there's a lot of room is for completely unheard of designers, where it's like people that are literally just starting that are in fashion school right now. Even some of my fellow um, competitors on Project Runway, they are in fashion school or have just graduated. And like, I feel like that's like, we are the future of fashion. Amen. I believe that for sure. And uh, good and good for you to keep that eye open and your mind open to the young up and coming artists too, because I feel like that is what creates longevity in this industry. Thinking that you have peaked and you're done and there's no room for anyone else is so dated. So thank you for is. sharing that. And for me, I feel like it comes from a place of insecurity because it's like at the end of the day, if you don't want to share your connections, like what reason is that really? Is it because you think they're going to take your shine away or they're going to do it better? It's like, I know that I am me. I know that you are you. He he is him. She is her. Like, everybody brings something different to the table. And that's what makes fashion or any creative industry so special, is that nobody can replicate what goes on up here. Exactly. And I know you're a fan of red bottoms, but I want to ask, what was your first fashion splurge? Oh, that is such a good question. I was actually talking about this with one of my best friends the other day. So for Project Runway, they gave us like a per diem um, for food and like activities and whatnot. And I took that check on the first because we filmed uh, six days a week and then Sundays were our off days. And I was in New York by myself and I took that per diem check. I went straight to the Louis Vuitton store and I bought myself a wallet, which I still have to this day. And that was my first like designer thing that I'd ever bought for myself because I didn't have any money at the time. And I was like, I was like, okay, that's a nice little check. Let me take that and cash it at Louis Vuitton. <laughs> I love it. You're like, listen, my closet's a little hungry. Okay. This week exactly. is going to my closet. <laughs> and it brought me more joy than you could ever imagine. I still, every single time I like look at that wallet, I'm like, oh, the good old days. <laughs> I love that. Has there ever been an artist you were so excited to meet, but then the experience was a little underwhelming? <laughs> For the most part, I feel like everybody is pretty cool. What I can't give you any names, so I don't want to throw nobody under the bus and I'm under NDA. But what I will tell you, which is surprising to some people, it's the people, the A-listers, the highest, highest up people that I've worked with, are always the most down to earth, the nicest, the most human, respectful people. It's the ones that are like the reality stars or the up and coming rappers, like the D to Z listers. Those are the ones that have the biggest egos and the biggest attitudes and are just disrespectful to everybody. Not just me, but everybody on set. And it's just such an off-putting way to be because like, girl, you're not all that, like stop. <laughs> Exactly. No, that's so awesome. And that's so honest. That's so true. Because it's like, it's you would always think that it would be the other way around. And I am 100% with you on that. Because in my interactions, they're so chill. They're like, we've already made it. We have nothing else to prove. So exactly. And they're just normal people, which at the end of the day, everybody's just a normal person. Everyone's just trying to work, put one pant leg on at a time. 
Um, and just to have that like ego and that attitude, especially when it's like unfounded, that's like so off-putting to me. Who's made the best impression? Who just blew you out of the water? Oh my gosh. The one that I got the most starstruck by and like I'm so impressed with is Tyra Banks. I grew up watching America's Next Top Model religiously and she could not have been more of a kind, gentle, sweet, supportive soul. And she has been a client of mine for years. And she repeatedly just shows me love just out of the blue on social media um, and just through messages. And she's just such a sweet lady who wants everyone to win, which I really appreciate. Because like I said, not everybody wants everybody else in this, their circle to win, but she is definitely one of those kind of people. And I really respect that from her. And she's so beautiful. She's so beautiful in person. Would you say she's one of the people that you were the most surprised to know was a big fan of yours? 100%. I mean, Tyra Banks, I never would have thought, you know, 10-year-old gay little me sitting on the couch watching America's Next Top Model every week, never would have thought that her number would be in my phone, that she would be messaging me on Instagram, that she would be wearing my pieces and supporting my brand. That was like such a surreal full circle moment. That is so awesome. Shout out to Tyra. Let's give Shout her some smiles. <laughs> <laughs> is there anyone you haven't worked with that you're dying to work with? Yes. Oh, I love me some Rihanna and I love her style. She's been one of my bucket lists for a while and Lady Gaga as well. I think that she is just such an icon and a legend. And I've been a fan of her since the very, very beginning. So those are two people that I would die, die, die to get some furs on or get in some Matt Sarapa pieces. So manifesting that. Manifesting, it'll happen. <laughs> I don't doubt it at all. You watched a Project Runway Marathon with your mom at the age of seven, then went on to be on the show. You also dabbled in style blogging in middle school for Sweetie High. Now yeah. as creative director of Amir Magazine, is this another full circle moment for you? Oh my gosh, absolutely. I mean, it's my like career and like my life thinking about it and like hearing it. It's just so crazy. Um, I mean, working for Amare is such a cool opportunity. And my boss, the owner of the magazine, George, he's become a dear friend of mine. And it's so fun, honestly. I love planning photo shoots and getting to style on somebody else's budget for once and not having <laughs> to pay. It's so much more creatively freeing. Um, so I like, that's been such an amazing opportunity and being able to connect and network and meet so many people through this opportunity has been so cool. How many people butcher that magazine's name? Because I just realized I called it Amir. No, I, I peeped it, but I wasn't going to say nothing because nine times out of 10 people get it wrong. But I've heard everything. I've heard every pronunciation of it. And at a certain point, you just let people rock. Just let it rock. <laughs> We're just going to blame the fact that English was not my first language. And so, you know, we'll, we'll just go what, with what that. What was your first language? Um, Spanish. Spanish? Mm -hmm. Hablas español? Sí, por supuesto. Claro que sí. Yo no sabía que tú hablabas español. Claro que sí. Mi mami vivía en México para como ocho años. Um, entonces, uh, mí y mis hermanos. Mi español no es perfecto, pero puedo hablar y entender. Escribir más o menos, pero... <laughs> 
That was the best shit ever. Was it? You like it? Yes. And that's one thing that shocks the hell out of people. Because nobody would ever think by looking at me. But we grew up, me and my brothers grew up in a household that was bilingual to an extent. I would say like 75% English, 25% Spanish. Um, And my dad didn't know. He doesn't know a word of Spanish. So whenever we would want to talk about something and we didn't want him to know, we would go straight to Spanish. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Yeah, way to catch. Not a whole lot of people can catch me off guard. So that was Did that catch you off guard? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It comes in handy in the most random circumstances. It's like, I cannot tell you how many times it's like, we need to, my group needs to speak Spanish at one point. And they're like, Matt, (laughs) go go talk to her. Well, I mean, talk about catching people off guard. I'm about to catch you off guard with a quote. I'm going to quote you, okay? (laughs) It's been publicly known you cannot stand Birkenstocks. You said, like, honey, calm down. You're not attending the Last Supper. What's worse, Birkenstocks (laughs) with socks or Birkenstocks without socks? Oh, um, with socks has to be worse because then you're doing socks with sandals and Birkenstocks. So that's like a double homicide to me. Um, <laughs> but honestly, I just never been a fan and same thing. Now I feel like Crocs are so popular, not a fan of those either. And like, I've seen some people that can pull both Birkenstocks and Crocs off, but just aesthetically, not my thing at all. Like I had Crocs when I was like two, three years old on a kid fine, go ahead and live your best life. But on an adult, it's just very strange to me. Not my cup of tea at all. (laughs) I can't wait for my partner to listen to this interview because he is so anti-Birkenstocks with socks I thought you were going to say he's like, he's a fan. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry in advance. (laughs) No, not at all. But I do want to role play with you for a minute. I'm going to play Lady Gaga and you're going to be you. Okay. Okay. I come onto the set and I say, hey, Matt, I want to be photographed in one of your coats, but I want to wear Birkenstocks. What does Matt say? Baby, you're the queen. You put put Birkenstocks on your hands too. I will get you every single color right here, right now. Let me call my assistant. (laughs) (laughs) That was iconic. (laughs) If anybody can pull them off, it would be her, honestly. (laughs) I love it. You're absolutely right. I mean, she wore fucking meat. Like, come on. Birkenstocks that, and is she killed it. So it's like, that's the thing. At a certain point, some people can do whatever they want. The rules don't apply to them. So she's one of those people in my book. <laughs> Absolutely. So you and I also share a love for Lil' Kim's music. Oh, <laughs> oh my girl. Oh my God. We just became best friends. <laughs> yes. So I've got two of my favorite songs and I want to see if you can finish the line. Okay. Are okay. you ready? Uh-huh. I've been gone for a minute now. I'm back with the jump off. Yes. Jump off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The second one is I've been a lot of places, seen a lot of faces. Oh, hell, I even fuck with different races. Yeah. <laughs> Two of the best songs. I love me some Lil' Kim. I'm telling you right now, she is everything to me. I yeah. got... She followed me back on Instagram one day, a few years ago. I'm telling you, that made my entire year. Like, I literally, my best friend who I met at UCLA, we became best friends because he was listening to Lil' Kim in the lounge. And it was a remix of the song Panda by Designer. And I came over to him like, oh my God, I love that song. And he's like, being kind of sweet, he's like, oh, it's the remix. I'm like, 
bitch, I know. Like, I know that's the Lil' Kim remix. That's the B mix, baby. And that's, we have been inseparable ever since. So that is amazing. Lil' Kim is a friend of mine. <laughs> Absolutely. No one's ever been able to do it after her, like her. So yes. She's the blueprint for these bitches. I'm telling y'all. <laughs> 100%. Before we wrap up, I want to ask, what is your best advice to anyone that's wanting to break into the fashion industry? My best advice to anyone who wants to break into the fashion industry is that your uniqueness is your best asset. It's so easy to copy or imitate what you see coming down the runways or on the red carpets, but it's easy. Anybody can do that. And at the end of the day, what people cannot do is get into your mind and have your perspective on that. And it's so easy to come into the industry and get frustrated and be like, okay, this person is popping off. This person's popping off. Why am I not popping off? I obviously need to change something or do something different. But the only way to truly do something different is to stick with who you are uniquely and unapologetically. So that's why I tell people, don't let anybody knock you off your pivot or try to convince you that your ideas aren't good enough because they just might not be right at the time, but they will get you there eventually. Copying whatever's going on at the moment can only get you so far. Well, I mean, and look at you now, you're making timeless pieces. And like I said, that is my favorite thing about you as a designer. So good oh, advice for sure. Thank you so much. And who knows, maybe in the future, I'll be doing an interview with you and Lil' Kim because you're like, you know, featuring oh. her song. and <laughs> Or maybe I'm married to her. <laughs> <laughs> the only woman I would be straight for. <laughs> Five years from now, someone's like, I became friends because someone was like, no, this is the remix with Matt. <laughs> yes <laughs> you never know what's gonna happen five years is a long time a lot can happen in five years <laughs> absolutely well matt thank you so much for taking the oh time and being God. here with me today thank you so much this was so much fun this felt like just two friends this is what i do on facetime with my friends i love oh, it <laughs> that's the best thing you could have said to me today yeah, thank you for supporting me you and your partner love you guys means the world a, to me have a good one my love we'll be in touch